Hey there, this is Jenny Chen. I'm the founder of 3D Heels. Welcome to the Lattice Podcast, the official podcast for 3D Heels. This is where you will find fun but in depth conversations with technological game changers, creative minds, entrepreneurs, rule breakers, and more. Focusing on how we can use 3D technologies like 3D printing and bioprinting to reinvent healthcare and even life sciences. This podcast will also include AMA or Ask Me Anything sessions, past Instagram live interviews with influencers, and other direct engagements with our tribe. Awesome. Well, we're all right on time. Thanks for joining us. Um, so we have Chen Shi Wan, uh, who is the CEO for Satori 3D, to join us today. Thank you so much, Chen Shi, for joining us. Thanks um, for inviting me. Uh, I'm super impressed with what you have accomplished uh, so far. And I would just want to give a very brief introduction about you. So sure. similar to me, you grew up in China. You spent childhood in, in China, but you came to the United States first. And then you now are in London, United Kingdom, uh, as the CEO. Uh, you have a very, um, I would say, not an extremely A to B kind of career path. And it, it does sound like you're very creative and very explorative uh, in terms of what you want to do in life. Uh, but now it seems like it's becoming more and more crystallized. Mm-hmm. Um, so you started off as in the financial industry um, and you got yep. your MBA in uh, Oxford. And then, and then you actually was CEO for my mini factory for a, a while. Yeah, and that was my how, job before. It sounds like that's how you encountered 3D printing. But I would love to hear more about your journey on that side. Is how did you go from being a CFA with the MBA <laughs> to where you are today doing uh, 3D printing? Uh, and today we're also going to talk a little bit about dental 3D printing. So more, more in the healthcare sector. So we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jenny. And actually, I think you get the key points in my life very well. And I want to also share this, uh, take this opportunity to share more about how I navigate the creative journey. So I grew up in China in the Western town, which is not wealthy. But I always have this thinking that now I'm born in the limited situation. How can I push the limit to broaden my horizon? So most of my friends and family members, they still live in that little town uh, with the mountains around. It's a quite content life. And I wouldn't mind living a life like that. But when I was a little, I was curious what is beyond the mountains. So I was constantly pushing my boundary to learn more about the world outside. And the way I went to US was in my undergraduate education. So on the one hand, I have the offer from Chinese on the other hand, I have this thought. I want to go beyond what my life is going to me. In my high school, I have this strange opportunity to teach on the web. So I kind of like the education style in the US where you're open-minded and you're free to change your thoughts. So I thought to myself, at a young age, I really want to different things. But I didn't know what that means, how much effort I have to put behind to give up what I see as a familiar in my life so far, and instead of explore something completely different. But I yeah. think 
that's the power of being adventurous because you're constantly being excited by discovery that you forgot about the risks and the uh, dangerous parts that potentially could be there. So I came to the US and for around two years, I was a little bit confused about who I am because with no family and no friends around and it's really tough to be confirmed or be confident about your personal identity. But in retrospective, I think that helps me to push it harder to really uh, ask the question, who do I want to be? How passionate I want to be for my career and for my life. So um, my major for my undergrad was finance investment. So as part of the exploration based on my study, so I decided to go work finance. So that's why I also got my CFA certificate and work in the finance industry a little bit. But then I quickly recognized that wasn't my cup of tea because finance is a, really about the number. And I don't mind work on the data and number, but I'm always curious what's beyond the number. What does it mean if you have X, Y return? So I'm more curious about the human part. Mm -hmm. And then after coming to UK for my Oxford MBA, that was the real year where I step back and tell myself, what do I really want to do after this uh, short break? Because chances are I want to go back to academia again. So this is my last chance to really um, take a turn in my career. And then I decided to do something completely different. So after graduation, I was lucky to get the offer from my manufacturing. And uh, as you might know, it's a marketplace for 3D printable files. And it was actually during that experience, I recognized the power of 3D printing, not just from the technical aspect, but also from the human component that I was always looking for. Although 3D printing is very technical thing, but it, it relies on a lot on the people to exercise their creativity. So I talked with a lot of designers on the platform and each of them almost have a unique story that coming with them. For example, some people, they have the full-time job to keep life moving, but in the night they're so passionate about it, and they learned about how to do the 3D design from scratch. And then over years, they became really excellent the 3D designer. Those are the stories that really impressed me about people working 3D printing industry is something aligned with my personal identity. As I shared, I came from a small town and then I constantly ask myself, what do I want to achieve beyond what life set a limit to me? And I see a lot of people in 3D printing industry, they did not come with the assumption that this is it. And they are constantly pushing the boundary to move things forward, either from their personal life or the industry. So um, I think it's not a surprising for me to shift from finance to 3D printing. And I'm very excited about the spirit behind the industry. Yeah, so Satori is a UK-based professional 3D printer manufacturer. So we aim to provide industrial focus for the 3D printing application. And the dental 3D printing is one of our focus besides the jewelry 3D printing. And the reason why we decide to um, provide more professional support for the dentistry is that we recognize that it makes a lot of business sense for people to adopt the 3D printing in this aspect. Because although 3D printing can be used for a lot of uh, uses based on your creativity, but based on the input and output ratio, we're talking about finance here. So you have to, for business practice, you have to justify your investment. So in dentistry, first, 
when you use that to print out your uh, dental model, it, the final product makes sense that for your business use. And also the investment and your return on this investment is very, it makes very sense. I'll give you more uh, numbers if you are interested to just to help people to understand it's not something very expensive. You can actually pay back within four months of investment, even you have a very light workload for dental 3D printing. Yeah, sure. So for dental 3D printing, there are two major applications. One is the orthodontic application, which is to produce the uh, clear aligner. A popular company is Invisalign. So people use the clear aligner to adjust their teeth. And another application is for the surgical guide. And for each part, I'll give you a comparison of using 3D printing versus the traditional method of outsourcing. So for aligner, um, production. If you use a dental 3D printer like the one produced by Satori, the production cost for a set, we're talking about the upper and the lower uh, teeth set, it's a lower than five pounds versus the outsourcing that would take 35 pounds. And for surgical guide, it's even more uh, different. If you're outsourcing, that would cost you 250 pounds according to our uh, partner in the dentistry. And if you produce yourself, that will be five pounds as well. So it's a very clear difference. And if you have your light workload of producing around, uh, let's say two aligners a week and one uh, surgical guide a month, that would take you four months to pay back your investment in machine. Uh, we're talking about price tag lissatory. And then you will save up to 4,000 pounds a year which means that you not only uh, get your money back, but you save money compared to outsourcing. But for medium to high workload, we're talking about situation not for dental lab, because dental lab process much higher volume. We're talking about the dentist themselves. If it's a medium to higher load, that will save you up to 40K a year. So that's a, it totally depends on the labor cost per hour and also the time for the training process. But that goes back to the point of why uh, there are so many different printers in the market and we at the point we want to get into the market the customer support is very important. The customer support is very important about the machine troubleshooting. It's really to help you to understand how to use it effectively if you do not have a previous printing So the example for us, the manufacturer part, is to automate the process as much as we can. So one pinpoint is, which you mentioned about the learning curve, is actually in the software part. The software we use in this industry is called Slicer, uh, which is convert the 3D printable file to the language that the machine can identify. And also the slicing quality is very correlated to the print quality. So a lot of the uh, technical learning have to go through that process. Traditionally, the slicer designed for uh, a lot of machines, very complicated. It almost requires engineering knowledge to use, but what we intend to do is to make it as simple as possible. It's a very streamlined process, like import your file and with the automated button, you get it processed properly and get ready for print. So that can greatly reduce the learning curve. And on a going basis, the customer support will not coming from call center, it's coming from our internal engineers who develop the machine. So that will be a very interactive process where we receive the feedback and we also 
give that to innovation of the machine to make it more user friendly. So we talked quite a few times about the importance of customer service, and you know, in my experiences,、um, oftentimes I see a startup、um, started off with excellent customer service.、Um, there is a drive in there,、mm -hmm. but over time, as the startup grows. The customer service enthusiasm starts to fade. So, just curious how you、um, look at this point. Yeah, I think that's actually more a question for the company's mission and culture rather than a truly、uh, technical challenge. I'll give you an example of my、uh, personal experience for Apple. So, Apple is a pretty much established company now, but their customer support is really impressive. <laughs> Yeah, and so、uh, my boyfriend bought an Apple Watch, and unfortunately, it doesn't sync with his account. He did all the troubleshooting from the basic web chat to the all the extra material. It didn't sort it out for、uh, three days, and then finally, he decided to escalate through their customer support. The final、uh, customer support was a call from the U.S. and 10 p.m. because that was a slot that both of them were available, and that takes. Two hours for them to chat to get it solved. So on the surface level, you will think it's a very frustrating process to take two hours to get solved. But just to give you understanding, how my boyfriend's、uh, attitude changed from the beginning. So when before he picked up the phone call, he was very annoyed that this is a smart product meant to be automated, and also for a company as big as this, you're supposed to already. Have a streamlined process for the customer support, but after the two hours call, he walked away by saying that he really understand as a big company as Apple, and they have so many different、uh, versions of product and a different system to manage. It's inevitable for them to have a bug, but what he was impressed that the customer support person has a true passion for what he's doing. So the technical support person take all the problem as a opportunity to. Expand his knowledge, and he almost like a kid who is fascinated about a、uh, problem solving. And then they have a very great chat, and finally they solve the problem. And I think for company、uh, in three D printing, Satori, now we have a relatively startup environment that we can afford to have a one-on-one customer support. Even down the line, I think it's part of Satori's culture to put the customer support in the、uh, center. And we wouldn't reduce our budget on that, because I think that will also help company to keep innovation by staying close with the customers. So you're asking me to show some models, and、yeah. actually I want to present two aspects. The first is about the resolution for、uh, resin 3D printer Satori is providing. Is you probably come across a lot of technical specifications for all the 3D printers. They、yeah. look more or less the same. So. Uh, however, the actual resolution has a、uh, very little to do with the、uh, technical specification resolution, which you will see the X Y Z resolution. It's because the final print it determ it's determined by three factors: the software we mentioned before, the slicing process, the machine itself, the X Y Z resolution, and then the resin, the material, also matters. And the best work is done by the coordination of the three. It's not even the good quality of each. It's about the coordination. So、um, that's why when the manufacturer is developing the machine, they have to take a holistic approach to coordinate the software, the material, and put the machine in the right setting for that. So I know most 
customers do not like a bundle sales. They do not want the manufacturer to force them to buy the material. But unfortunately, in the case of 3D printing, uh, I really recommend to stay with the factor, uh, the manufacturer's material. Yeah. So if now you have a, a, a competitor's uh, a 3D printer, and I would still recommend to use the competitor's uh, uh, resin material because that will give you the best setting. Yes. And then when it comes to resin 3D printer, the the reason why just for the 3D printer itself, the resolution is not the key factor is because for the UV light, the light evenness is very important. Mm -hmm. It's the resolution is one thing, but the evenness, it determines how accurate the final printer would be. The example could be when you cure the resin, because for resin 3D printer, it's the process to solidify the liquid resin. It's like uh, how girls do the nail polish after you finish, you put it under the UV light uh, chamber to solidify it. If the light is not even, so some part of the model will have a more clarity and some part will be um, not as good clarity that will result in the undesirable print. So the light uh, calibration is very important. And so this is the teeth model that we printed out from Satori machine, which is used to produce a liner. Mm -hmm. And the other factor I want to talk about is that's why the whole team, the intellectual part of the company is very important, is we can help you to design the plan that will be best for your business. In this case, it's the dental practice. So for example, for dentists, if they have a lot of workload, the way they lay out the print can really be um, optimized to produce the maximum quality volume within the same period of time. The example would be we try to produce 20 different teeth models in one row, and those are the teeth models still with the support. It's all printed in one row. And it's 20. It's just, yeah, it's, it's different. So, which makes, yeah, it doesn't make sense if one person to produce a lot. It's different in the way that you can deal with different customers. Um, and it's printed out around four hours for 20 models that will lower per model's production time to under 15 minutes, which will increasingly um, enhance your efficiency. And that's just an example. But the way that you add the support, it needs the facilitation from the customer support from us. It's not so complicated, but you need extra instruction that will make your experience much smoother. So as part of our ongoing initiative, the reason why we are very open for chat like this is really to help the customer to understand what is involved in the 3D printing experience. It's not like a 2D printer, you buy the machine and you press the button to work. If you with that expectation, chances are you're not going to select the right printer for you. In some way for 3D printing, it's a very interactive process between you and the company and the company can help you to uh, support your business and increase the efficiency. Yeah, actually, I think you also brought another point that I wanted to ask you earlier, but didn't get a chance to is, mm -hmm. um, you know, it sounds like the machine is targeted towards individual practitioners, dentists, um, specifically. But what about dental lab? I mean, when, when it comes to a liner, it just sounds like that's more of a larger volume products mm -hmm. production mode. Would it make sense for dental lab to purchase a, a printer like Satori's? Yeah, it's a really good question. Indeed, actually, we the reason why we don't talk about the dental labs is it's almost a, 
uh, easier to target them because most of dental labs now start to adopt 3D printing on a larger scale. So we definitely have this customer ready to be educated and to understand the industry. But from our research communication with a lot of the individual dentists, they're still very hesitating about adopting this technology. Either they have misunderstanding about the complexity or they do not understand the business sense involving this. That's why we talk more about dentists. But for dental lab, it's a, the same application and they can even buy silver machines to scale up the production. What do you think the biggest challenge is to getting those dentists to get into this space? I think the education is definitely the key because a lot of the dentists, they feel their focus is doing the practice and they don't have extra time to learn about completely new technology. And that's why it's important for a company side to anticipate their uh, pinpoints pen, and to innovate the machine software to be more convenient. And another part is also the way they receive the information. They, most of them receive the information about 3D printer from distributors, someone who's carrying the dental supplies uh, in the past. And for the distributor, they may not present the machine as much as the company would like to. They probably just focus on about the technical specifications. And also for different distributors, they have a different support capacity that can also make the end customers uncertain because if you directly talk with a company, you know the, what the company can offer that will make your decision process much easier. So I think it has something to do with the current industry structure that it's not a direct communication between the dentist and the company. The innovation actually take a much, much longer time to uh, totally understood and filled by the end users. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm in the medical side, so I don't, I have actually, believe it or not, we have another dentist coming on to this show later today to talk about 3D printing awesome. dentistry. Yeah, so I'm always learning. Now, what about anatomical models and stuff that's outside of dentistry? Have you guys ever thought about it? Would this be some, something that you would be interested in venturing into as an application? Yeah, but the application beyond orthodontic and the surgical guide, it actually still remains in a very small uh, quantity. Uh, for example, something like the uh, denture production, some needs to have extra process. We talked to some uh, dentists and they're unwilling to spend more time and they find it now it's uh, more viable to outsource to a third party. So if the out end user doesn't have the current need and for us, it's very hard to push the sale of the application for something that they do not want to spend more time on. But I think it requires step-by-step -step approach and first to let them accept a certain application and do a great job. And then gradually we can expand it to other areas. We brought this up in our previous conversations that there is definitely a connection between jewelry and dentistry. Um, in, in our history, dentistry is considered luxury. Only really rich people can have a full mouth of teeth. Um, but now obviously as technology and medicine improve, more and more people can benefit from de dentistry. So there are definitely a connection between the two. Yeah, I think the two industries come together in the 3D printing is not coincidental because both of them required a high precision and a high quality. And that's why the same machine can be suitable for both. 
but then when it comes to the material, they have a difference. So for the jewelry material, it's more, they have a high percentage of wax because most of the people currently in the jewelry making industry, they're using that to print the castable um, spare parts and later on go through the investment casting process. And I think for jewelry and the dentistry, the reason why we're open for collaboration beyond just the dentistry is I think 3D printing itself is an interactive process. And as long as people receive the message about the company, they're willing to try it, then we're able to receive feedback to innovate our machine, no matter whether what kind of industry this customer is from, because ultimately the precision and the quality is something we're pursuing. And also from the business perspective, you um, are opening the discussion about 3D printing, you probably have heard about an individual, they're using 3D printing for different things. And I think one thing fascinating about the 3D printing is this uh, interactive process. Innovation is never be done in one side from the manufacturer side. Sometimes the user will surprise you about how they use the machine for something that you didn't anticipate, which is quite common for new technology that in retrospective, you always discover that the a final usage is different from its intention, but it worked out so well. So that's why we're willing to open up for industry beyond this particular application, as long as it makes sense and people feel it helps their business or their practice. So Chen Shi, as we have talked about, um, the fact that like, the reason why I like Instagram Live is because we can always uh, demo some cool stuff that people are working on. Um, so do you have anything for us today? Uh, you want me to share some of this uh, creative? Yeah, so, so far we have a two partnership. One is uh, Gannett, who is the 3D fashion designer. She used our machine to produce this uh, 3D printed jewelry. And later on, we put the inner lines uh, inside the jewelry to make it a uh, fashion tech. And the other project was uh, with a Morocco designer. He um, designed with uh, Satori this work from home set, which includes a laptop stand, a stress ball, and also a pen holders. And the uh, message was that for 3D printing, it's not just about the futuristic story, it's about something common in your daily life. And in lockdown, which is the most urgent need is we feel a little bit limited and almost depressed by just working and living in the same environment. And wouldn't be nice to come out with some design that can be immediately produced and not wait for months of the factory order and to put it there to inspire you. And one of the designs is quite interesting is, uh, I mentioned about the stress ball. So on the outside, it's the flexible material printed by Satori machine, the stress ball. But inside, it's a US, uh, USB drive holder with rigid material. So inside, it serves the function of holding your uh, USB cards. And outside, it's a stress ball that can help you to relieve your stress. And it's also a combination of our rigid and flexible material. Yeah, yeah actually, I have this. I can show you in writing the screen. So this is the shell of the stress ball. And it's uh, printed by the flexible material. It's all printed by Satori machine in one piece. But this material is a little bit hard to tame because as you know, for resin machine, it's going the opposite. So the 
print stick to the bed on the top and then was pulling up. So for more flexible material, it also is more sticky. When you are print, there's a chance that the um, print will stay in the resin tank. It wouldn't be lifted up. So it requires a smart design regarding the print, which goes to the slicing process to make sure that it has adequate support and to make sure the print is a success. These designs, by the way, reminds me of a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with the founder of Admio, uh, which was also on our Instagram Live. Um, he designed a personalized mouse using 3D scanning and 3D printing, um, which really is uh, mind-expanding and very, very fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a... Something I think it's very appropriate to do for 3D printing, although we're almost aiming for um, more advanced in the technology, we desire to create something that is uh, uh, drastic and transforming. But if we cannot create the um, better living condition in this challenging time, how can we say we're moving, we're striding forward for something uh, crazily innovative? I think innovation sometimes is very down to earth. It's something on the daily life, something make you happy and make you feel today is a better day. That's it for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 3 and check out the links in the show notes. See you next time.